Hey everybody, welcome to the Portsmouth Basketball Podcast. This is part two of an interview series. If you haven't heard part one yet, go back and check it out. But for those of you who are here at the right time, thank you so much for listening. Let's get into it. So, so Dan, like, you know, you're you're at Rodding, Rotting, jeez. Wow. You're, at, you're at Reading. Yeah. It's, getting, it's getting late, I'm getting tired. That's what's happening. Um, so you're at Reading. So you then decide to take the amazing move to take your your talents to Portsmouth. He saw the light. That is correct. After being at Reading for a couple of years, I was looking for okay, what's next? I also I struggled to stay in one spot, one place, place for a long time. Um, so yeah, came down to Portsmouth, took up a job at the university, um, both lecturing and with the university basketball team, and then somehow managed to get in contact with Mr. Rob Milner and asked if there's any basketball going on in the city. Is there anything I can do to help? And then from then, I just ended up starting to go to some of their sessions, got in contact with Serge as well, who was here. And then it just started snowballing from there, really. So the first, I, I guess, you know, experience with Portsmouth was the under 14, naturally. Yes. And that was a successful season. That was a very good season. Taking into account that none of the boys had ever played National League basketball before. Um, and most of the time, and I can say this from experience being on the other side, when there's a new team that's just joined the league, they usually take bad losses, to put it politely, every week. And the fact that we were able to finish 500, I think it was seven wins, seven losses, um, and we finished what, like third, third or fourth? That was a that was a, that was a great year. And half of our team were year young as well. So there was a lot of good stuff and a lot of positive things to take away from that. It's super exciting to see that exact same group that are going to be playing under 16s this incoming year. Like yeah. I'm going to get down to as many of their games as possible. Yeah, you know, some of those players aren't too far away from, from looking at the men's. How important is a connection within the team define connection you've talked about a few teams now where a lot of people have played together and they have connected or they're 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 aware of each other maybe of their skill sets yes. and them personally obviously as well i know we've, we've talked i think it was with alex saying you know you, when you're playing with someone season you you see them every day that's camaraderie was yeah about, wasn't it yeah and the camaraderie that he was talking about so it is a connection it's it's more than just i'm a team it, you know, i guess it defines what a teammate is really isn't it but yeah. these are teammates that are progressing together so they're on their same journey together yeah how important is that to a successful team i think that is me personally i think that's one of the most important things like outside of skill set I think you can have a team that their skill level means that they should be a top 15 team. But if they've got high levels of cohesion and high levels of camaraderie, they can very well be a top five team. Because that's something I'm really big on. Like for the setup that we have over here, there is going to be some players who play for the university team and the National League Portsmouth Force team. And for some of those guys, they're going to be seeing each other six days a week, sometimes twice in a day. 
and it's like if they don't like each other they're not going to want to be there there's going to be negative vibes and all those bits and pieces and for how demanding we are for the amount of different things that they have to do and have to remember it's a lot easier when you're it's less of oh i have to go to practice or oh we have a game but oh i'm going to chill with my boys at practice with coach so that's why i try and be as relatable and relaxed with the guys as much as possible away from the court so we might jump on the phone or I might pick some of them up and drop them off to practice and whatnot because I know how intense we can be on the court. And something that we're trying to really push a lot more this year is can we help people? Well, can we make it a thing for people's birthdays, for different holidays and whatnot? Like, can we have some team bonding stuff, a Christmas or end of year thing? Just something that makes it feel more of a family and more of a yes our connection is more than just we turn up and play basketball with each other because i think it's those connections and those relationships that you end up remembering yeah yes. yeah yeah it's uh, you know what it's uh, similar with the ports of fury it's it's uh, a, a social team more of a family oriented team yeah. and it's why people um who have played for the fury look back at that team and you know are like seriously saying fury for life kind of thing yeah um, it's bigger than the game yeah, and anyone who, who has played for the Fury, you know, understands that part of the family. I know it sounds corny, but understands that part of the family. So it's the same same thing yeah. um, being instilled in, in the men's National League. I mean, there's definitely levels um, of respect, I'd say, between players and coach. You guys get along. We can see that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they... They definitely uh, uh, respect and listen to your views and stuff. You know, we, we watch that every home game. We, we, we see that. That's got to feel good. No, definitely. I think something, once again, I picked up from Reading, um, especially with Alan Keane, he does a lot of stuff around this, is one thing that I try to do is be as open and honest with the guys as possible and try and create a safe space where, although, yes, whether we like it or not, including myself, I'm the final decision maker because I'm the head coach. I want to hear other people's points of views. I want to hear other people's opinions. I want feedback on, do you like the warm up? Is there anything you want to change? Do you feel like you're prepared and ready to go at the beginning of games? Um, this is our sets that we're running. How do you think they're working? Is there any slight little tweaks or wrinkles you want to throw in there? Um, is there, from your previous experiences, do you have a favorite baseline out of bounds play that you think could work really well for us? I like, I want a lot of that feedback because at the end of the day, I have one point of view and my experiences, but those guys are actually on the court. And sometimes we'll be playing a game and the guys are coming over to me to be like, yo coach, I'm seeing this, 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 and this, just to let you know, keep an eye on it. And in my mind, I didn't even realize that was happening because I'm thinking about another 25 other things. And if he's coming over to tell me that, then that means I should hyper-focus on that and address that here and now, rather than me thinking that, oh, if I call a timeout, they're going to go into a zone, so I need to drop a different set, that kind of thing. You know what? That's really interesting. And I just picked up on a theme, really, throughout Dan's career from what I'm seeing here on paper. It's that analysation and taking all that information in and just processing it. How do you record it all? How do you, are you a notepad man? Are you just keep upstairs or just curious how because you know you um i spent a couple of decades in sales and 
used to be called a knowledge broker because that's what you are you're not selling something you're a knowledge broker you're imparting your knowledge on someone and that's what you're doing that's that's what you are you are sponging everything up and taking all this information in but is it just going in your head do you put it down do you have spreadsheets how how do you what's your workflow like with in it's like in a scenario like this for example because you're focusing on all these other things and then you've got to kind of sideline part of that project because there's something very specific you need to do that's really interesting because I try to have, I'll have like, if I go and check my house, I've probably got two or three different notebooks that I'll say, yeah, I'm going to write all of my notes in this. And then there's another one that's the handle, okay, so I'm going to write it in this. Or I'll have spreadsheets on Google Drive and I'll write it in that. But then, oh, okay, I need to start up another spreadsheet. But I think the most consistent one is we have a coaches group chat and all of my thought processes go into that. So KP and Jesse probably get five minute long voice notes from me after every practice and after every game. Yeah, it's um, voice notes. It always yeah, voice notes. Yeah. It's because my train of thought is not linear and I just need to like speak freely. But then also there's a lot of the stuff that just stays in my head because I don't know what it is. I can remember key things at that point in time when I need them. Because there might be another point where someone's talking to me about Simon's jump shot and it's like, I'm, I'm not really caring for Simon's jumper right now. But then there might be another point where, okay, Simon's jumper, this is the slight tweak that he needs, but he's already been making that tweak, which is now making him a better three-point shooter. So that was probably not the best example, but yeah, there's some stuff that I can keep in my head. There's other stuff that I throw in those voice notes. And there's other more X's and O's stuff that I will write down or keep on a spreadsheet somewhere. And that feedback is invaluable to the players. So when we had Alex on here, um, he was talking about, <laughs> it made us laugh, The uh, it was called the the Alex Grant turnover sheet. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he was, um, even though you're highlighting areas of his game where he can improve and negative, you know, because of that relationship you got with him, he's he's listening to that and trying to turn that negative into a positive which is great it just made us laugh because we just envisioned him running into a part of the court and just be like this is where i turn over (laughs) there's just suddenly this like little ring fence in his mind like oh no i'm here but that's amazing (laughs) because you've done something and he's visualizing hang on turnovers are my problem um i'm now in this area this is when I really need to switch on. Um, the yep. other the other thing that I really liked, which I, I've had a few players comment on that you do, is, um, you know, what, it's one of the notes I put here, is keep it simple. So one of the things that um, some of the players have said to me is you say, I want you to focus on defending number 12 today. Or I want you to focus on just running and pushing that ball hard. You know, I want you to focus on kicking it out. Whatever that is, it's just really simple. And as players that's easy to process because you're going into the game going 12 I'm stopping him there's no way he's scoring that's that's my job that's um, that think. reminded you of someone didn't it Mickey yeah Mickey Byrne yeah Mickey Byrne like you know um, again all that experience with Southern mm. Stars Portsmouth uh, England um, Great Britain as well um, you know it's he, he always kept it simple but one sentence yeah what are you doing there change that yeah, I mean, I was, I personally, I was very defensive. So for me, orders of advice was stop him. Um, but yeah, it re- re- when when some of the players said that, you keeping it simple really reminded me. There's a lot of um, uh, parallels between you and Mick. 
uh yes basically a big thing for us this year as well is the word efficiency because something when i first started coaching i used to give players three four five different things to think about and they step on the court they don't know a single one of them and then you get annoyed but it was another coach i can't remember who but they had to point out to me that daniel they have to worry about being on the court executing things guarding somebody else having you or the crowd shouting at them having their teammates saying other stuff to them if you're also adding four or five points for them to think about they're not going to remember it so from then i learned and something i'm going to try and really push on this year is never touch on more than three things <laughs> like never touch on more than literally three that's what mick used to say to me because even those three things, three points and that's it yeah. even those three things can be one or two too many because it's better for me to tell you guys okay these are the one thing to focus on offense one thing to focus on on defense for us to get those ticked off and now you don't have to think about it to do it before i then bring in another one so that's why it's very yeah. much i feel bad because I'm, i was learning these of coaches but i can't remember who specifically but that's why i'm very much now okay think about what are the most prominent most important things that you need to fix right now mm. fix those one or two things close your eyes to the others make sure those things are fixed before we then move on to the next one and some of it you is usually quite simple just yeah. like saying a phrase like guys where are this where are the points coming from and they'll be like inside do something about that some of it is quite simple yeah but um yeah no mick i remember when i was asking him to help um maybe the coaching and he said never say more than three things because you just you lose the players because they're thinking too much but um yeah that's just really interesting um so obviously you've got your experience national league with the under 14 then you take the the huge step to take over the head coach um and portsmouth hadn't seen basketball for a decade and then you, you know you take over and we and we see this Portsmouth Force team. Um, I mean, that's special. It was really nice conceptually when it was, okay, yeah, we really want to start a men's team um, in partnership with the university and with the local community, really get back into entering men's national league. I was like, yes, this is really fun. This is really exciting. Who's going to head coach it? Um, and then Rob was very much like, um, so we're thinking you, but if someone else comes up, we can, like, we can, we can find them. And I won't even lie. Throughout the whole summer, I was like, I hope someone more experienced just walks in through the door and is like, okay, really? yeah, genuinely. I was like, okay, and then they got to coach the team. And then, because I... I still love learning and I was like okay so I'm, I'm just gonna learn off of them and then copy anything that they do in my well learn from what they do and implement it within the university team but then no one walked through the door because you've got to remember I've in my coaching career I'd only coached under 14s for a year and under 18s for two years so it was like to then yes I've been doing some uni stuff but to then take over a senior men's national league side division three or not it was like a wow like okay daniel this is real basketball because you're coaching people who are older than you some people would have been like some people might have been playing longer than you some people might be more experienced than you but they're still going to be looking at you to be like okay so what are we going to do what's going to happen stops, next? stops with you yeah yeah so it was like a okay like this is this is really happening so it took me some time. I spoke to a couple of different coaches. Um, 
and it was like okay this is this is really happening but just do what you do and don't try and make yourself someone else because i know a lot of coaches go through the experience of oh yes i was learning from so and so and when i started coaching i was just trying to copy them yeah but i knew that's not me especially because at that point i was 25 yes 25 yes 25 and it's like daniel some of these guys are your age older than you a couple years younger than you trying to go in as i'm the be all end or the most knowledgeable person around isn't your thing anyway so i try to ask as many people get as many people on board to help me out and then as you would have it as god would have it we had a very successful year and just missed out on the playoffs in our first year so how did how, so i mean just on that how did you feel the, the season went like what was your positives and your negatives positives from the year was going 13 and 5 and that the home crowd only saw us lose twice which is a huge positive um positive is people like zion who got exposed to playing senior level basketball um positives is finding the opportunity for some of our university level players to also go and play at that high level and the biggest positive is the fact that Portsmouth now had another senior men's national league team that could bring the community together I'd say overall those are like some of the best positives but the negative side of it was there were still points where I didn't feel like I was completely ready um hindsight's 2020 but knowing that slight tweaks in my coaching or in my experience would have got us into the playoffs also identifying the fact that our style of play helped us at points um helped simon almost get an mvp but at other points was detrimental because you could i think everyone could agree that there were points where we were too reliant on one or two players and if those one or two players were hurt couldn't make the game or weren't having the best game there then everyone else was kind of like okay so what do we do now what do we do next i didn't fully prepare everyone to be able to play their role to the best of their capabilities which is at the top of my list this upcoming year that there's no yes there's going to be a top scorer but for everyone to feel as valued and as confident in their own basketball skills to be successful and be impactful on the team we're not having any people who are just there for the ride yeah yeah and uh, you know it is a challenge when you know you're one of your top scorers gets injured and stuff like that but you know not to do yourself too much of a disservice you did go through that this year didn't you so when we um, lost Simon one game I think you went to a game with quite short but you, you walked away with a win yes we did that was Exeter away at that point they were top of the league and we went with like six guys and some people in, in the team I think it might have been Alex Grant said that was one of his favourite games of the season yeah because at that point everyone knew that okay there's six seven of us everyone has to get no, I think it was like seven eight of us everyone has to get on the court everyone has to be impactful so people were exponentially great teammates and everyone had the next play mentality i mean really that was the one game that that was the biggest game where we really pulled together and we were able to yeah beat them at their home floor where they hadn't lost yet and they were top of the league so being able to pull that off made me think that actually 
like we are we we, we might be onto something yeah and i mean just talking about the university side of things i mean there's a few aspects to that i think the support we've had from Portsmouth University has been amazing. Um, I think, you know, the, the actual um, Ravelin Sports Centre, amazing, great venue, great floor. Um, I think the staff are absolutely amazing as well. And it feels like the basket, Portsmouth basketball community and Portsmouth University and the staff have just kind of just like gelled and we've just created this, um, hopefully a future juggernaut, who knows. Um, but the one but i have is obviously we're trying to set those players to come into the team from under 14s all the way down um do you ever think we might be too reliant on university players because we were quite heavy this year um could that ever be a i, I guess a sting in our tail i think if you find a lot of teams in like similar situations as us there are connections and partnerships with universities or with colleges. So you do get a bit of a carousel of players where you will get some players for one, two years, and then they're moving on because they're graduating and whatnot. But I think that's why our junior setup is super crucial because ideally what we would love to happen is we have some older guys who have been around Portsmouth who have played who want to come back and like continue playing and continue giving back we don't want to have a group of guys from the university he's not asking you Paul <laughs> he's not asking you I could just see you there so I'm going oh yeah hey, older players yeah I'm, 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 I'll put a suit on Dan I'm <laughs> telling you now if you end up with six players you tell me I, I will warm that bench up I have no problem with that <laughs> I'll give you a shout don't worry <laughs> um, He'll phone me up and go, Dan, give me five minutes and I'll be registered as National League. I'll give you a shot. I'm ready. Um, and then have a couple of uni guys. But then what we want is like, my dream is that one year we've got an under 18 kid who is a Portsmouth bred and born, but is in the starting lineup for our Division 3 men's team. Because what we want is just the whole pathway to continue churning out really high level kids that are going off to do amazing things and playing at seniors like we've got we currently have two or three of the under 18 kids who are practicing with us over the summer and oh, wow yeah and hopefully as the year goes on one or two of them might be able to kit up and maybe one of them might be able to step onto the court wow so when, on, is, that, is that an exclusive, Dan? That's, that's another exclusive. <laughs> it was he's borderline. Him. He's catching them in his pocket. He? That was a potential borderline exclusive. <laughs> but if you, you know, some people listening may not appreciate, might may look at the like NBA, and you know, once you've got to the NBA, players are moving and they're getting ball purchases, etc. All that in the BBL, in the British leagues. Is it very much it's reliant on people feeding through the teams in these youth structures? Is that how a lot of the teams work in, say, Division 3, Division 2? At what point does it change where you might get players coming in? So, to be completely honest with you, people start getting specific imports from Division 2. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, you can find... So, at at the Division 2 level, even at the Division 1 level, you might find a team that is specifically connected with an academy. 
like an EABL academy yeah. or specifically connected with a university team. However, the rules allow you to bring in one or two um, imports, yep. so non-UK nationals or non-Europeans to come and pay and play. Luca, if you're listening, <laughs> just saying there's a ticket there. So this season, our, our player was Eric, Eric Jew, right? Yes, this season just gone, it was Eric. Did you did you know um, a few months back, Eric, how many points did he score? 36 points in the finals for the Ports of Fury. Got, M- got MVP. That does not surprise me. Ridiculous. Isn't he it? was on fire. He was on fire. <laughs> Eric is one of those guys that if he gets going, he is a problem. Big problem. Yeah. He's just quick. He's really quick. You could just see he, he is just been training all year round and that final was just like pinnacle i mean listening to some of the other players they were just like i could hear them coaching i could hear them going just can't guard him what am i supposed to do <laughs> it's like that's what you want to hear as a coach isn't it yeah. um so i i mean are there any potential players coming in this year that we're not aware of and we've got alex grant coming back which is great news Sign the contract on the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't sign. He didn't need to sign the contract. So we don't. We don't need to pay him. I mean, I still got the contract here. We don't need to pay him the two point nine million per year mark. Um, yeah. So we do have Alex back, which we didn't expect to, but we are happy to have him back. Definitely, very much so. He's definitely going to be able to help us. Um, and apart from that, we have Ollie Blake who's back. Ollie's back. Yeah, nice. Ollie Blake, our captain's back. Simon's back. Patrick's back. Sam is back. So those are the guys who I can definitely confirm who are back. But then we're also going to have a couple of new faces, which will be interesting and exciting. Um, a couple of local lads, which is the, my favourite part. But I don't want to say too much because a lot can still happen between now and the beginning of the season but i feel like our group is almost set in stone and we're ready to go are there any um any current um ports of guys that we might know so you may know this guy called harry yes harry bates harry bates we know harry bates very well we do He's played for the Ports of Fury for the last 10 years. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I've been saying to him for 10 years, Harry, you should be playing National League, mate. Um, when you started last year, I was like, Harry, you should be going to the trial. I think he did turn up to the trials, didn't he? I think so, yeah. I'm sure he did, but I don't know what happened. But um, this year when it came around, he was talking about, Harry, you're going to those trials. Like, you know, you know. And I'm saying this as an older player, that window that you have to play National League basketball in your lifespan, it feels quite short. And, you know, if you decide not to play National League for a season or in some people's cases, five, ten years, you know, you're going to look back. I'm telling you, you're going to look back and regret it. Um, I know Andy Rowland said a similar thing. He left the game for a bit and he looked around and regret it. I massively regret it. and um, yeah, it was great to see um, or hear Harry potentially doing that. Okay, so yeah. Harry, Harry might we might see Harry this year. You Th- will. Let's get him on the show. Yeah, we got to. Hundred percent. Yeah. New blood. Get him in. Yeah. So wow, that's seg- a few legends. That's on the segment went nicely to the question I had about off season. Okay. So you're talking about players coming back, and then new players coming in. What's your expectation as a coach for the off-season from players? 
for everyone to become a better basketball player now that's really open but i know for some guys their thing is okay i want to come back a better shooter okay that's cool you do that some guys want to come back more athletic okay that's cool you do that some guys want to come back smarter like with a high level of iq a better understanding of certain situations that they're going to find themselves okay that's fine you do that but they have to come back better the same way how i expect myself to be able to come back into a new season we did with these different things of how i'm going to be a better coach i have the exact same expectations of them and i told them that and do they lean on your analytics for example to say can you guide me on where you think i could shape my game for example some of them do um some of them already have their own plans of they know what they need to get better at yep. but they know i'm always there available for a call something that we i wasn't able to do this year but i did last year and it should be a thing moving forward is that we have end of year like reviews let's call them reviews yep. but it's just we jump on the phone or we like try and meet up somewhere and we just sit down to talk about the year yeah we talk about okay how did things go what did you like what didn't you like that's when the players know they've got free reign to tell me anything and anything they want because it's not going to affect their court time on saturday it's good though you know what i really yeah. want to know what alex grant's turnover sheet looked like at the end of the season <laughs> yeah he actually he, he said i've got it on me i've still got it here it's on my phone wow. actually you know what he did say he he that information you gave him yeah he and I, I really respected him for saying this i thought wow what motivation he took a screenshot and that was his wallpaper on his phone so every time he looked on the wall on his wallpaper he saw alex turnover sheet and that was his focus for just every time he turned his phone off well it worked because his numbers went down yeah his yeah. numbers went down is that is that ultimately the coach's main focus of a job is to get the maximum out of each player and to know how to get the maximum out of each player so i would say yes i'm leaning on a phil jackson kind of <laughs> philosophy here where it's like what well, mj's mj that's rodman leave him to do his thing yeah you know i would definitely say so in my mind i have my coaching role because of the level i'm at in two minds is yes when we're playing I need to best figure out how to get the most out of each individual single player within the collective. But then also is how can I make this player the best version of themselves and also advertise them to look the best. Because I know with some of these guys that some of these guys are happy to play division three and that's where they want to be. If they get bumped up to division two, that's nice and great. But I also know that we have some guys who are striving and have aspirations to play at the highest level. And for wow. them, it is to be the best version of themselves to learn the skills that they need to be able to play at that next level. So I'm like, okay, how can I help them with that? But then also I'm thinking, how can I get Simon, Ollie, Alex, Harry, all onto the court at the same time understanding that simon is very bang 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 aggressive ollie's very a little bit slower a little bit more composed alex wants to play a slow game back to the basket but all of them are very good basketball players and how do i get the most out of all of them so it's basically trying to fit together a jigsaw puzzle without losing too much from people I think when you're talking about um, most improved as well, 
um, I think you got to bring up Alan Vitag. Yes. I thought, I mean, I saw him first play, I want to say maybe a year or two years before the, the National League kicked off. And, you know, he was okay. Um, but I've just seen him come back this summer and maybe towards the end of last season as well. And it was like, wow, the steps that guy's taken is significant. And you know what? It's a shame. I uh, My understanding is he's leaving at Christmas, um, which is a shame because, you know, he is just... Whatever you're doing, he's taking that on board and and doing. Yeah, Alan and Eric are the two players, the most out of everyone, that really made me think that okay, I need to, and Ollie a little bit. I need to get the most out of these players because the last two games Alan played for us, I think he had like 19 and 14 or something like that in those two different games, and everyone was like, oh my gosh, wow, did you see Alan? And in the back of my head, I was like, that's just what Alan does. Alan can do that. But I, I'll put it on myself. I didn't put him in the environment where he was able to do that or something close to that on a consistent basis. It was very much a, oh, I'm just going to pass the ball to Simon or Alan, Alex and just play defense. Whereas Alan is a great scorer and a great athlete and a great basketball player in his own right. And Eric. Yeah, and I think we saw... Um, definitely towards the end of last season there are a couple of quarters and I hope you don't mind me saying it the way I'm going to say it but it felt like Alan just went right team get on my back you're struggling get on my back I'll carry you for this quarter yeah. um, and he just and there was a couple of games where we were like it was like Alan, NBA Jam where he just yeah. lit on fire and he was off that was <laughs> it and it was like wow if he didn't do that that could have been a tough game just you just absolutely carried the team for like quarter or a half mm. um but yeah that's what being a team is though isn't it you, yeah. sometimes it's just like it's just everyone's gives 100 percent where they can but sometimes it's like today it's just another day and i think that's something i'm gonna try and drive home a lot that there will be certain days where paul might go off for a 40 point game hold and on he's bringing you in the game again <laughs> look at his face paul might go off for a 40 point game and that's what we need at that point in time <laughs> but never then, a 40 point game. mark you uh you are forgetting i'm the highest uh scorer for the portion of fury you didn't get a 40 point game on nba jam i don't I know got, i got a 50 <laughs> point game once against the isle of white what are you talking about and what are you talking about and then the next week, we might actually need Paul to focus on guarding the other team's best player. Yep. And then Mark goes off for 25. There we go. And and then I get like five steals because my focus is just Listen, to get Mark open. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set your expectations real low now. Like 25, <laughs> like take like 20 off that, maybe. Five. And then maybe not the five either. <laughs> oh, you guys are funny. <laughs> so, so, Dan, look, you know, you've, you've been coaching now with the Portsmouth University yeah um, you've won Bucks tournament twice yeah you got um, I believe Bucks coach of the year is that right the university coach of the year yeah, yeah. you then congratulations the, yeah Thank you. Thank ma you. Ma massive that is um, you've then got the Portsmouth Force Division 3 National League you've just received the award for Division Three Southwest Coach of the Year. Congratulations again. Thank um, you. And you know, you're now working with the Under 16 Welsh National Team. Yeah. How did that come about? 
so like i said the basketball community is actually very small and if you do a good job with one person they're not gonna forget that so actually the analyst who invited me to work with the gb senior men's team he was doing like he was head coach in the world's national team there was under 16 boys national team under 16s and under 17s so he had an assistant coach who was no longer available and he just gave me a shout of daniel i'm currently working with this team we've got these tournaments coming up and if you're available and if you're free i'd love for you to be part of the coaching staff and immediately i was like of course yes to work with you again is a plus to work within a national team setup is a plus um to work with different set of kids to be exposed to them to understand and learn new things from them is also a plus so i was all over it if you could work with any coach in history for any season who would it be wow uh, wow what a question well he loves learning what, alive or dead any any coach at any on any particular season as well That's, wow yeah hang on at the end of the season if it's nba does dan get a, a ring if it's a championship season as well it doesn't matter Wow. You don't necessarily have to pick the ones that win. <clears throat> I mean, whilst Dan's thinking about that, who would you go for, Mark? <laughs> Learning from a coach, oh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you've you got to give Phil his knocks, but there's a part of me that wants to say Pat Riley. Yeah, I mean, experience, like Miami, mm. Lakers. I, I like the way there's been an element of, although there's control, he's given some freedom to some of the players to be who they want to be. Yeah. Phil does the same, but in a slightly different sort of framework. It seems that Miami teams are a lot looser in some respect. Um, whereas, you know, Phil very much had a strategy and very much had a method to things. Um, I mean, he was, that, they're different eras as well. I think Pat's carried it on. I don't know if Phil's mentality would work in the game now. Whereas, I think, although Pat's now, I think, separate and it's, Sposer, who is, I believe, number three in all-time playoff wins as a coach. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's a great coach. <clears throat> Same sort of thing, very free. I think I'd have to say Chuck Daly. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? Why? I don't know. I just, I just love the the Pistons bad boys. You know, that's an that's a, an era and a team that I just, I think that is, you know, just feels like I'm connected to that. Also, he goes in there and says, right, basically just. Bill, go over there and beat them up. Uh, everyone else just clear out that Isaiah. I mean, don't don't forget he was teaching. He had Isaiah, Bill Beer, Dennis Rodman, Rodman, Mark Aguirre, John Spider, Sally. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't have any chumps there. You know, he, two National League teams. They beat the Celtics. They beat the Lakers, and they uh, and they were trying to beat the Lakers and the Celtics when you, you know they were great teams. You know, the Larry Bird and Magic Johnson days. Um, but they were the third wheel in that Celtics and Lakers scenario. They, 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 they yeah. were the team that you know broke the Celtics. Finally, then broke the Lakers. So who's the um, coach then? I think it was Phil Jackson. Ooh. But I want to go for the Scotty. I want to go for the Bulls. I believe it was the '94 '95 season. So the year where MJ came back halfway through the year. At the very end, yeah, yeah. 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 Ah, because that's the one there. They lost to the Orlando Magic. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see that, okay, 
um, MJ's gone, Scotty Pippen is like your team kind of thing now. And how Phil would have maneuvered that. And then with MJ coming back, what that dynamic would have been like and how he dealt with it. I think that would have been really interesting to see how to manage people where someone was, stay with me, someone was the number two and then they got upgraded to the number one. And now all of a sudden they're getting knocked back down to the number two. I would have found that interesting. And that is, so that is 94, 95. So that that is pre-Rodman. No, no, like the, at the end of this year that Dan's talking about, that's when you have the meeting with Phil Jackson, yeah. Jordan and Pippen. Yeah, but that's what I'm Rodman. saying. Yeah. Rodman hasn't joined yet. But you know no. what? It's really Rod- interesting. Rodman wasn't there at that point. So that was, that was, yeah, that they hadn't done the switch around. I think Kerr wasn't there either. And um, there was uh, a transition Luke Langley. Longley. Luke Longley might have been there. Might have been there. But you know what? I think it's really interesting is out of that, those eight years or I, I guess the, those championship years Dan doesn't pick the championship that's year. exactly where I was going he goes for it's the like year all the people, where that's the one where they'd had the three years then they had the bit of a clear out he goes um, for the experience that's Horace Grant wasn't there yeah he'd already gone to Orlando yeah yeah, yeah. He that's was, what I mean the clear out the, the, the he, championship yeah. done don't now. forget he was all on Orlando and he mm-hmm. was the one that they lifted up to beat the balls and Jordan was just like take a mental picture of that I'll be back next year yeah Wow, a non-ring year yeah. with Phil. So you know, I mean, Dan, like, there's just so much experience and that you know you've you've got throughout your career here. Um, but one of the things I wanted to bring up, and it's one of the things that I loved about the National League setup, more specifically, you and some of the fan favorite players was there was a, a National League under 12 and under 14 award ceremony. Dan turned up, Simon O'Neill Perkun turned up, Alex Grant turned up, KP turned up. These kids are watching these guys perform every home game. Now all of a sudden they're getting their awards, their idols are giving them their awards. And I, you know what? I, I looked at that and I just thought, that is really good. That's really admirable, that is, because it's instilling that respect that family that you know i'm not big and i'm not big to not come down here and do it and i and I, one of the things i wanted to do when you were on the podcast was highlight that because i wasn't the only one who just thought you know what that's great to see that it just brings in that i guess camaraderie or family unit for ports of basketball as a whole i think it's great for everyone to feel like we are a whole club i think it's very easy for people to think that okay yeah so there's all the juniors and then there's a senior men's team that's there by themselves separate to everyone like we are a whole club from top to bottom that's why it's going to be great with everyone wearing the same kit it's going to be great when we have some of our under 18s on the men's bench it's going to be great when some of the kids might be playing or on the bench for the age group above but I also can't take all the credit for it because the other thing is we just have really good people on our men's team. Simon, Alex especially, they're just very good people. So having them around is a huge plus. <coughs> we've been, we've been talking quietly, for a long time. I just noticed, Mark, I've, I've only said this once oh in eight episodes, but I'm going to say it again. This is our longest podcast now. 
He's an interesting character. <laughs> um, but you know, we haven't even got to the question section yet. We haven't even got to the questions. No, not yet. But you know, Dan, strap in. You know, with all that that you've told us, you know, what is to come? Not just not from a Portsmouth perspective. I know with Portsmouth, you know, we're just gradually building up even just from you know the entertainment side of things we're doing a little thing i mean this podcast itself i think there are probably very few teams in the country that have their own podcast um but you know what's to come from from you you know what are your future goals you know is nba going to europe where where, where do you want to go in your in your basketball career my basketball career might be slightly different to some other coaches, where some other coaches might say they want to go to America. <coughs> Dan is Dan is dying. He's been talking for two hours now, and he's, 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 his throat no, is dying. He was almost going to say that he was going to leave the force, but he just couldn't do it. That's what it is. See, the universe is hey, telling him, no, you're Mark, stuck here now. That's it. We have... We've got a hundred percent success record with these contracts. These contracts are great. We'll have to write another one up for Dan. Life, lifetime membership done. Okay, I think I'm alright. Um, <laughs> I might have another coffee fit just an FYI. But my plan is not to leave anytime soon. I see it as I've been part of growth and development of this Portsmouth Force baby. So, to be honest with you, I can't see myself leaving anywhere at least until that under 14 group that I had have made their way through six, two years at 16s, two years at 18s and at least one of them is playing for the men's team because I'm very much on how can we develop basketball in this country altogether and how can we make more opportunities, more experiences for all kids in all different areas and how can we begin to challenge your France, your Germany, your Spain on the European stage? Yeah, I mean, we spoke offline about why not basketball in the UK is uh, just not competitive when it comes to European basketball. And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was how, the, the, you know, the academies and the feeding of the teams at youth going right through was so critical. Um, do other countries do it a better way? Or is there? Is it just that we need more people, do you think? I think always having more people is great. Also having better people is great. Um, when I say better people, I'm not saying that I'm the best coach in the world. I'm so far from that. But I'm saying having more experienced and high-level coaches coaching our younger players. Because if you notice, all of the best coaches usually are coaching the senior men's team, senior women's team, under 18s here, under 18s there. We don't have the best coaches in the country coaching the under 12s, coaching the under 10s. When you could argue that that age group is the most important because if they have the right foundations, the right fundamentals, then by the time they get to that under 18 level, you actually yeah. don't have to do that much. So, I mean, in you, you, touching on that, when you say high school and college basketball in the States, for example, those coaching positions are highly prized, aren't yeah, they? They're they really, are. really, you know, very, very famous players often cite their high school coach as well as their college coach. Yeah. And they're, they're right up there with the NBA coaches. Yeah. For um, not only for the, the value to the colleges themselves, for obviously the feeders and the etc. So 
do you think that's where we need to look at it in terms of the UK to bring some also bigger talent but I'm just trying to I was looking earlier just while you guys were talking about what NBA players just NBA players the UK's produced over the last decade or two not that many it's a short list I think <clears throat> we have to find the best way for us because America they have their thing where high school basketball and college basketball is seen to be so important like there's so much hype in that that is such a huge deal the AAU is such a huge deal you then get European clubs where I'm so sorry Mark I just want to <laughs> just focus while Dan's was Dan's dying but coughing um I would say that the 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 British game is improving I mean an example I would give to that would be the three-on-three three tournament recently where Great Britain won the tournament and that's men's um, international um, three-on-three wow. three tournament. I mean, I know it's a different game, but that just says, you know, you're still going up against all those big teams. I mean, I was, I know, sort of sidetracking a bit, but I was pretty disappointed with the NBA. I'm obviously Adam Silver's listening to this right now. Adam, I'm disappointed in you. Because uh, they moved the NBA Europe game from here to France. And I understand why they did it. And there's a big basketball community in France. And so, you know, I get that. But at the same time, I think that did hurt basketball in the UK from, from losing that, that NBA game and having that exhibition. I know that used to be a big game that a lot of people used to go to. Yeah, we went up. Yeah, we saw the Celtics play... Who did they play? <laughs> oh, I don't remember. I remember Lewis Hamilton rocked himself in and yeah. sat down for a while, didn't he? But we saw the Celtics championship winning team. So that's got to be 2008, Eight. 2009? Yep. Something like that? Yep. Um, yeah. But yeah. You know what? The only thing I do think, and again, it has very much influenced our stuff that we've been doing in the Force games. And I don't know how to sugarcoat this anyway, but um, I do think sometimes the crowd can be a, a little bit boring in England. Like when we went to that game in 02, it was like the crowd didn't know how to cheer. Uh, yeah, and I mean, Dan, you touched on that earlier when you said sort of with the players, they weren't sure how to respond to yeah. putting an atmosphere in. And it was exactly the same with the some of the cues that you put on musically getting people to clap their hands and so forth. There's a learning there, curve, wasn't there? There is a learning curve because people need to be educated like this is what you do. But if you go to an NBA game, it's an experience. It's The game is there, but there's everything going on mm. and there's a lot of people there. Now, I went to a WNBA game <coughs> when I was in Minnesota and that was different because you're still in, you're in the same place that you're playing the Timberwolves, but the crowd was smaller and the crowd were closer so it was a different noise they played the noises a different way and it just felt different somehow mm. and you just wonder so if i went to a timberwolves game after that which unfortunately i didn't at the time i would love to have seen that dynamic a bit of the difference because they definitely played things a different way because there just wasn't as many people going to see that game which you know more for them because the <coughs> tickets were pretty good and it was a good game and I got to see Seattle play 
because they still have a women's team. Sold the men's team, but they kept the women's team. Figure wow. that out. That's well, nice. You saw Sue Bird play. I'm not better. I'm not better at all. <laughs> so, so Dan, next season, coming up to next season, you know, the uh, you got a couple of friendlies coming yeah, up, yeah. and I think that um, ends with this big home game that we're looking forward to, where it's the, the Ports of Force at home to the to the Kestrels. Um, and you know what? It's got a little bit more meaningful significance, definitely for a lot of us, um, because of the um, Mickey Byrne Memorial yeah. um, that is going alongside that, and that's hopefully going to be an, an annual thing. Um, you know, what are your what are your thoughts going into that that game? Um, because very much from a fan <laughs> perspective, this this isn't a, a friendly. We, you know, I, I, this is a game. You know, people could turn up. We want to we want to win this one. He's running on the court if you win. <laughs> um, but you know. What's your thoughts going into that game? And then, you know what, a week later, you got a cup game away and then bam, season starts. So we are very much using that friendly game. Well, the game against Solent as our last preparation of, okay, this is where we're really basically treating it like a normal league game where we're going to coach you the same, we're going to have rotations the same, the same kind of sets and whatnot that we're going to be looking at so that's like for us the season starts on that day and then we're looking to just kick on from then so we're basically we're allowing for a lot of learning a lot of progressing from now until that 16th of september but from that day on it's go time and we are really getting after it because we all know we have one goal a tough goal but we have one goal for the end of this year and that's to be talking about how we're going to prepare for Division 2 next year. Yeah. And, and you know, look, let, let's face it, the, the Kestrels team that are turning up, they're a Division 1 team. They were Division 1 going into Division 2. So that is a really good test yeah. of where your team is, what where the bar is there. Um, how do you prepare for that as a coach, knowing the team that you're playing is a tier higher, maybe two? But does, does that make all the pressure on the Kestrels? 100%. There is no pressure on the board. If the Portsmouth Force win, that's that's an, a potential upset. You're going against a Div 1 slash Div 2 team. If the Kestrels win, okay, well, that's, I guess, expected, isn't it? Wow. So I just jumped in there, done. It's fine. It's I fine. don't think you should expect anything. I think it's, it's a shakedown. Everyone's, everyone's doing a shakedown. I think with the way basketball set up in this country, at least D1, D2, D3, everyone gets pretty new teams each year so although you would anticipate that oh yeah so i'm probably gonna win but like hopefully portsmouth give them a good fight they're also going to be ironing out some wrinkles they're gonna have some new players who haven't played together before um i don't personally know what their coaching situation is going to be like but that there might be a new coach in the building as well so they're going to be trying to figure that out and I'm pretty sure both teams are going to be in their minds. It's going to be, let's just try and be the best version of ourselves. Especially in the first half, we're going to be the best version of ourselves. We're going to do all of our stuff. We're going to try and make sure that we remember our offenses, our defenses, our sets, our out of bounds, be on top of all of that. And then following that at halftime, then we can start thinking of, okay, what's the game set up like? What's the situation like? Is it ready? for us to 
now start trying to make adjustments towards them or is that something that we just continue riding out what we're doing and be the best version of ourselves that'll be part of the conversation that myself jesse and kp will have at half time of evaluating where the game is evaluating where we are are we doing things that we're happy with if we're not then we're going to lock in on those if we are and it's a pretty close game then okay this is great reps for us as coaches to practice coaching in a close game so that's how we probably look at it and that game um, for anyone listening is on the 16th of September at Ravelin Sports Centre and uh, like I said the home advantage home advantage <laughs> you know what I would say that Kestrel team isn't going to be affected like other teams um, going into uh, into an, uh, an away court with that much people they, they'll be used to that they'll be yeah. well well trained in that um, but then there's a, an away cup game and then the very first home game of the season is Saturday the 30th of September now both these home games are at half six and um, looking at the ticket sales I, I would recommend people to arrive early if they want to guarantee a a seat um, though we will do our best to accommodate yeah we're um, going to start putting the links as well as when the season starts putting the, the links to the tickets for their games and the upcoming games yeah, if people want to yeah, go get sure. them and stuff because they are going very quickly <laughs> yeah and and capacity is going to be an issue so yeah so well dan thanks thanks very much for i mean wow what i don't know if you look at it like the way we're looking at here but what a career basketball career you've had so far um i just love i didn't realize the the statistical analytical approach that you've had all that experience to that you've 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 um you know brought to your coaching and um one of the things you did you want to do that i'm just pointing to mark so one of the things we've been bringing in every episode is we have this wide topic where we throw something at our guest and just see what they think i don't know if you know i don't know if i've mentioned this one to you mark so this we need a jingle for this as well don't we we need we need someone to make some jingles yeah i'll get on it well this <laughs> this wide topic um this is this could completely revolutionize the entertainment package that home supporters get oh. now i don't know if you've seen this and and definitely look on youtube and you'll see an example of this but what you're starting to get around the world now is the court itself imagine the court itself is a massive tv face mm. facing facing up and so what happens the floor is an actual image of a basketball court so as the players are running up and down it is literally a tv but it's a basketball court but what they can do is as a basket goes it goes in for the home team you get this little explosion around the basket <laughs> and you got all this graphical analysis as someone's coming up you know you'll have like some fire come in and all this what are your thoughts on that is that is that good for the game bad for the game oh my god that's garbage yeah who wants that you know what look at the examples it's not over the top at the moment you might get like a splash as the ball comes down by the ring when it goes in you might get a bit of fire um you might get some statistical stuff come up as a player shooting free throws i, I, I want to look at the wood i just <laughs> want to see the hardwood and you you know what you look at some of the teams um they, they have like two or three actual floors and they have different parquet floors that they roll out and that 
ties in with the kit. That ties in with, I mean, I get all that. You can do more with digital. That That's fine. But, but you don't need parquet floors. You literally just go, right, switch from Lakers to Clippers. Done. There it is. It's ready to roll. Look it on YouTube. Look it on YouTube. I mean, so Mark... sounds like the worst idea. Mark isn't a fan. Dan, no. what, what are your thoughts? Well, it's, some, someone's going to put goldfish <laughs> someone's someone's gonna come up there and say hey you know what at the half time let's make it look like a fish tank or something and someone's gonna do something and then some idiot's gonna think that's a cool idea and before you know it Orlando Magic they're sponsored by Disney Disney's gonna be like yeah play the trailer for the latest thing there that everyone can see that sounds like great and it'll be like the, the biggest TV in the world <laughs> yeah advertisers are going to go nuts for it that's why they want it I get that but does, it, does a player really want anything going on underneath their feet no that's what I was going to say that I understand trying to increase the fan experience um, increase advertising opportunities and whatnot, like use of technology use of AI but for me personally I'm just showing uh, uh, the video to Dan now <clears throat> for me personally as long as it doesn't impact or affect the guy's concentration then oh. I think it'll be fun <laughs> is like, that is that what you're talking I've, about yeah no um, well that no. that was a that was a poor version but someone's there's, been there's watching like Tron in, for too long <laughs> in an action game got excited I don't think we're too far away from that though because out at Oxford they have a floor that's kind of like that where they can have it's it's like digital ish where they will have a basketball court and they can change something on the wall and then changing something on the wall then takes away all the basketball lines oh, and nice. turns it into badminton lines oh that's cool oh there yeah. you go so we're not similar that far thing. away from it similar thing we're not that far away from it. i mean i don't think we doesn't... should help badminton players at oh, yeah, all, they do. Do it's it. not, let's not encourage that. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that sounds much more plausible. You, and yeah. you don't want stars following. You know, why does a basketball player want to look like Sonic the Hedgehog or something like that? <laughs> you just, I don't want that. I want to watch someone playing a game. Well, yeah. so the more traditionalist says no. Why, why not focus on the, like having better refs in the NBA? That, oh, that, that might help. Oh, wow. Shots fired. That, wow. Shots Dan's, fired. Dan's they potentially suck. Key. Wow. That, it means the refs last year, everyone complained about them. I mean, not just Mark Cuban, everyone complained about them. They just were terrible. I think refereeing is tough because even if you have the best game you think you've ever had, someone will find something to complain about. I think the refereeing this year for the force was pretty good. I think there were there was there was no one really at any point you go, come on, what? That's not like you're giving too many calls one way or the other. I think it was really I think consistent. Consistent yeah. is the word you need really mm. as a ref like, no ref turns up to a game goes I want someone to win they don't care they couldn't care less um, they um, and they don't turn up to game thinking oh I'm gonna I have a bad job it's just it is very challenging being a ref and you have to make a micro decision like that and yeah. go that was a foul and once you've missed it you're talking half a second later the play is gone that's it it's gone. Yeah, it's very human difficult. Is what it is. Yeah. It's the same as if there's a foul. Sometimes it's like, is that flagrant? No, the guy like stumbled and tripped and knocked him over. That's, it is what it is. It's in game. It's a tough yeah. job. Yeah. Move on. So Dan, we've asked all our guests um, to in the studio. We've got a basket. We've asked all our dead guests to take a shot yeah, at our basket. Coach is not immune from this. No, <laughs> definitely not. So Dan, can you oh, wow. take a shot for us? And um, there's three shots. There is. The third shot is known as the Stevie Ware bonus shot because he is the only person to score. 
Yeah, he set the benchmark, so it's only fair we name it after him. Yeah. However, if you hit, say, two, then... Well, we might have to rename... The Daniel. The, the Daniel Fatima Day shot. It could Bonus be. shot. I don't see that happening, but let's see what let's, let's see. Right, hang on. Um... Right, we have Portsmouth Force head coach Daniel Fatima Day. He is walking calmly over to the 20-foot line from the basket. He, he, he looks pretty focused. He's taken a few warm-up bounces. And here's his first shot. That's long. That's, it was long. It's harder than it harder than it looks. His second shot is going up, and it's short. Oh, this is the Stevie Ware bonus shot. Third shot. Oh no! In and out. Was that in and out? Steve Ware remains the only person to score in the studio. It is is hard. That is hard. I mean, I have done two in a row, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> no one else saw that. No. I did shoot like 28 before those two, but um so yeah. Um well, thanks thanks for shooting the shot down and we always finish the pod with Mark's questions. These two crucial questions. I told you them before this time. I'm giving you a little heads up. Cuz I know it's going to be difficult for you. If you have anyone to take that game winning, series winning shot could be a two or a three inbound in-game whatever it is who would it be i'm actually glad you did give me this question beforehand so it gave me time to think about it but i would go larry bird larry that's wow. the first time he's come up what's larry shooting what's the scenario <clears throat> the good thing with him is it actually doesn't matter so you're one point down you just give it to larry and go three two do whatever Burr. figure it out because he's one of those guys where at the rim, mid-range, shooting threes, getting to the line, making the right play. Like, he is that guy. And he makes like, big shot take-up, big shot make-up. Wow. The wow. hick from French Lick. That is that's the, the first one we've had, Larry. That, who's not Jordan. Everyone said Jordan so far. Yeah, but that's like, oh, yeah, Michael. That's that's good. I think everyone sees the, the inbound the shot and the, mm. the shot everyone sees that in their mind and they're like that's the benchmark because he's mm. the benchmark for so many modern basketball yeah that's true um things yeah. arguably it's why you know the he, people call him the goat more than anything because he's he is the benchmark for that in that blueprint lebron hits the stats he's a great player but he won't be jordan because jordan was the person who did it first exactly it's, it's tough just, it's the trailblazer it's tough so Who's your starting five all time? You get one person on the bench. And because you're coach, Daniel, you got to choose the coach as well. <coughs> well, he's already, didn't he already do a coach? Because you asked him. He'd spend his season with him. Oh, wow. You say that. But it depends on his five. Oh, okay. And the sixth, he might not choose the great Phil Jackson. My all-time starting five. So this... These aren't my top five players of all time. No, no, not your top five. Starting five. Yeah. Alive or dead. <coughs> it makes NBA. it a little bit more fruity, doesn't it? Hmm. So, I would have Steph, um, Michael Jordan, and LeBron. 
Nah, my four and five might be a little bit left field. Do it. My five is Hakeem the Dream. And now my four. <coughs> I'm pretty biased because he was like my first ever favorite player. But his intensity is through the roof. Mr. Kevin Garnett. Mr. Kevin Garner. Uh, Mark loves that one. Who's, who's warming the pine? Who's number six? Oh, Kobe's just going to come off the bench and do a madness. Really? Yeah. Interesting. He's going to be so annoyed the fact that he's coming off the bench. He's just going to shoot everything. And I'm okay with that. And who's who's coaching? <coughs> I think the only person who could deal with all those personalities is Phil Jackson. Staying with Jackson? Staying with Phil. Yeah. That's a bit of a oh yeah, ever, yeah. Phil Jackson's the easy one to choose, but with all of those guys, that is depth. Like Stefan Akeem will be fine, but KG's a nutter. Yeah, and Kobe intense. coming off a bench is wild. No, I have I have MJ on the bench. That's even wild. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how angry he would be? Can you imagine being the person who's like MJ's walking on the court? You're like, no, no, sit down. <laughs> You're gonna say that to MJ? I could never and then imagine subbing him in imagine like every second he walks on that court everyone would see him and be like oh our game's over that's it he would be coming for blood every point he'd be staring at it like that's what you were missing earlier <laughs> <laughs> we, Mark we've, we've almost killed Dan's voice here this is fantastic he's going to be struggling to coach for the rest of the week well, Dan, Very you're welcome. To, to all the force players, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be quiet. He's just going to glare and point at you. Yeah, I've got KP and Jesse. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, you know, thanks very much for coming on the official Portsmouth Basketball Podcast. And um, yeah, you know, we, we wish you all the, all the best of luck for the upcoming season. And, you know, we would love to have you back maybe in the season to get yeah. your analysis on that. Yeah. And then at the end of the season... Maybe to finish the pod, that'd be quite yeah. good, wouldn't it? And we promise that'll be a lot shorter than this one. <laughs> this is getting the history. I think with a lot of these podcasts, you're getting all the history on someone. If they come back on, you don't, we've established that. So it's just the current stuff, isn't it? I think, you know, next time I need to bring a drum kit and let Dan have a little go on the drums because yes. we've heard some rumors. That, that would be very, very fun. He likes tapping the pig skins. So we'll <laughs> get him involved in that. Well, but thank you everyone for listening. Wherever you are and whenever you're listening, we really appreciate it. If you haven't listened to any other episodes, go back and have a listen. We're going to be hitting it up every single week. We've got some more people coming up soon, haven't we, Paul? Yeah, we do. We've got uh, Rob Milner, Chairman, coming lovely, up next. Lovely, 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 lovely. So stay tuned for that one. And thank you very much for now. Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Speak to you all real soon. Thank Cheers you very me. much for having me.